Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to have you folks with us today. We're in a series of messages from the book of Luke, Luke's Gospel. And I want to bring before you this morning a subject that's found over in chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Now, we're not going through the book of Luke word by word, verse by verse. So I have the liberty to jump around when I want to. Last week, or two weeks ago, when we last came uh, before our visitor was here last week, we considered the declaration of God's angel when he came to one of God's messengers, John the Baptist, who would be sent in the power and the spirit of Elijah to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That was the title for our last message, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That was back in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, if you want to go back and look at that sometime. Now today we're going to jump forward. We're going to pick up where this messenger of God is fulfilling what God's angel had declared that he would do. So if you're in Luke chapter 3, would you join me in reading verses 3 and 4? And he, speaking of John the Baptist, came into all the country about Judea, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now we know that our Lord says, All who come to me, all who believeth in me, shall have everlasting life. But he also says, and we know this too, don't we? He says, Well, how are you going to know how are you going to believe in one that you've never heard of? How are you going to call upon a name that you've never heard of? How are you going to believe in that name if you've never heard of it? Now, people say, oh, I've heard of Jesus. Have you? Have you heard about Jesus of the Scriptures? There's a lot of people talk about somebody called Jesus, don't they? A lot of people talk about a Jesus that has no resemblance to the one that's spoken of about right here in, these, in this Bible, in His Word. How are you going to call upon one whom you've never heard of? That's what this is talking about. John the Baptist was sent unto the people. God had not sent one of His prophets. Obviously, He had been saving people through the preaching of His Word, but one of His prophets had not been sent. One that He would speak to personally to give to people His Word, thus saith the Lord. And here He was sending a prophet before the people of Israel to prepare the way Christ is coming. Now Christ has already come the first time. So his messengers, his ministers that he sent into the world today are ones who come about declaring this. He's coming again. He who came once already and fulfilled what he said he was going to do is coming again and going to fulfill everything that is his purpose. John the Baptist was sent to declare the way of the Lord. To prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. What most men in their carnal or their natural state do not perceive is that every messenger sent of God preaches the way of the Lord. That's it. We come before the people of God and we preach Christ and Him crucified. That's our message. That's every message. Doesn't matter how you approach it. Doesn't matter what direction you come from. It's the same message. 
They all lead to Christ. Or they're not a message at all. I was sharing with some who were here for a Friday night Bible study last week. Not last night, or not this Friday, but the one before that. I brought a, a special message. We veered away from the book of Mark where we've been. And I brought a message from uh, Zacharias. No, uh, no, it wasn't Zacharias. It was uh, one of the other prophets. I'll get it here in just a moment. Zephaniah, right? That's it. And uh, I had heard the message brought by David Edmondson the week before. And it just inspired me. In fact, I called him up afterwards. I said, brother, that was such a great message. I'm going to have to preach it. So I brought it as a Bible study, which is like preaching a message, really. That's what Bible studies are. They, they all point us to Christ, right? So I brought out how David Edmondson preached on these two verses. I'm preaching on these four verses and those two verses, and I'm coming at it in a completely different direction, but both of us came to the very same subject. You could have had us both preaching back to back, and you, and you would have been blessed with the sovereignty of God in sending His Son to, to save His people through the precious blood of Christ. It was the same message. David Edmondson has done it already, but I'll bet he's preached that same message this morning from whatever scripture he came from. All of God's messengers stand before the people and tell them of who Christ is, what He came for, what He accomplished, and where He is right now. Isn't that what we need to hear every day? We come, we come out of this world for what? Two hours a week? That means, I haven't done the math, but there's a whole lot of hours you're not in God's Word. There's a whole lot of hours that you're wandering around in the valley of the shadow of death, and that's exactly what the world is. And the world don't care that that's where they are because we didn't care either. By His grace, we have been brought to see the light of our Savior in the face of His Son, the Lord Jesus. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Men don't understand. They don't perceive that God's messengers all preach that very thing. Moses preached that. Did you know that? Did you know Moses preached that? Over in the, Luke, over in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 27, our Lord was on the road with two of his disciples. They didn't even know who he was yet. He hadn't even revealed to them who he was. They had walked with him before he died. Now he had arose from the dead and he was walking with them. And he expounded unto them the scriptures, all things concerning himself. He said this over verse 27, And beginning in Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all scriptures the things concerning himself. When God dressed Adam and Eve in the righteousness of Christ. That's what that was. When he, when he took skins from Adam. When he shed first blood. The first picture of our Savior was, was right there. Our Savior Jesus Christ was pictured in that very thing. Now do you think Moses. Do you think he just sat in a little room and wrote those words about Adam and Eve all by himself? Or do you think he preached them? What did we just read? Beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he expanded unto them the scriptures the things concerning himself. Moses preached Christ when he 
wrote the very words when he penned the words of Adam and Eve being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. The only salvation for sin. We know that because Adam had to teach his two boys, didn't he? He had to teach his two boys, Cain and Abel. Cain wouldn't have any of what his dad taught him, though, did he? He had to go bring the works of his own hands. Just like Adam and Eve were trying to clothe themselves in their own righteousness. They, were, they took leaves and tried to cover their nakedness. That didn't work. It's not good enough. God deserves perfection. He cannot be in the presence of sin. A perfect substitute had to be provided. And that's what Abel brought, was a substitute. A substitute that pointed to the perfect salvation, or the perfect Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Moses preached the grace of God that is only found in our Savior, just as men preach today. He wrote the story of Noah. Did you know Noah was a preacher of righteousness? He wrote the story of Noah and how his family was saved in an ark. A picture of God's salvation in His Son, Jesus Christ. It says that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of God be lifted up. I've shared this with you once before, but maybe you've forgotten. You take the whole world, round as it is, and it's round, just in case there's any flat earthers here listening, you take that whole world and you cover it with water. Water is a natural balancer. It's a natural leveler. And there's one thing that is sitting above all the waves. There's one thing that is raised above everything else. The one thing that saved Noah and his family. The ark. A picture of Christ our Savior. Noah preached the salvation of Christ in the ark of Noah's day. Joseph, you know the story of Joseph. His brothers sold him. He was taken down into Egypt. He was thrown in prison in Egypt. He deciphered a dream the Pharaoh was having. The Pharaoh put him above all else in the, in the kingdom. Put him above everyone else in the kingdom other than Pharaoh himself. Joseph was placed in the palace of a king. A picture of Christ in his intercessory position as our high priest in the salvation of the people of God when famine would come into their land. The message of all of God's ministers is always the same. Saved by grace. You are saved by grace. Through faith, through belief, through the God-given belief in His Son, the Lord Jesus. Not of the works of man. Otherwise, we'd boast about it, wouldn't we? That, does that, didn't that scripture just apply to your heart every time you think about it? Didn't, just, didn't you just think, oh, that, yep, that would be me. Thank God for grace. <laughs> this was the message of John the Baptist the well, as well. Look with me again, if you would, at verse 3. This time we'll read through verse 8. And he, speaking of John the Baptist, came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of Isaiah, the prophet saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, 
Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. You know, there are those who come before people preaching their interpretation of their little Jesus, the one that looks like man, who waiting for man to make his decision, waiting for man to do what he has to do. They, they say you you got to come down here to the front of the aisle. You know, to some folks that could be a pretty big hill. That might be a pretty windy path. Oh, I may not go down there today. Maybe I'll go down there next week. Oh, you know, I just don't want to, I don't want to be embarrassed. Or, or maybe, maybe you like the attention that it gives you. Maybe it's a windy path that you've got to tread so that you, you get the attention that you might feel you need from those around you. They went down to the front today and got blessed. I know churches that brag on that. 25 people came down to the front of the church today and turned their lives over to Christ. Well, yeah, I know. We invited them in to eat food. and They don't have any food at home. So yeah, they're here for that too. But yeah, they turned it over to Christ. I brought this out Friday night. I wonder how many of those came back the next Sunday and did the same thing. Maybe they were hungry. What a windy path. What an uphill, downhill path the world will make for those to be saved. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Our Lord says, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. You who labor and are heavy laden with whatever it is that's laid upon your heart this day, whatever burdens God has allowed you to have in your life this day, take the yoke of Christ. What is that yoke? The yoke of rest. The yoke of it is done. The yoke of there is nothing for you to do. I have done it all. What a God to provide everything that He requires so that you and I would be with Him for eternity. What a God. Back in our text again we read, Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then he said to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, That God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Israel was banking on the fact that we're sons of Abraham. That's why we're children of God. My bloodline can be traced right back to Abraham, the, the friend of God. I know I'm saved because of that. Begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. Turn over to, uh, look over, let's, let's leave uh, Luke now and go over to Matthew chapter 3. I want to read the, the same event, the same account that Matthew gives us. He gives us a little more detail to it. And I just want to share this with you. I want to bring this, before. I've got very little in my notes to be honest with you today, folks. I came to this pulpit empty. If God is blessing his word today, as it is every Sunday. It's His blessing. Look over at Matthew chapter 3. 
Let's read the same account that Matthew gives of this. In those days, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now think about that for a moment. Folks, there's not a, another sovereign grace church that I know of anywhere near here other than over in Yuba City, Marysville. There's a pretty big space between us. You go back to Tennessee and Kentucky, there may be three hours in some places between churches out there. But God's churches are spread out. There's a, there's a big wilderness between here and there. Right here, this little place in rescue, what a, wil what a wilderness that surrounds us. And I'm not talking about the woods. I'm talking about dryness. When the Lord talks about the wilderness, He's talking about a desert place, one where there is no water, one where there is no food, where nothing grows. That's the valley of the shadow of death that we have to go through every day. John came out into the wilderness. Gene Harmon came out of the into the wilderness to preach the gospel of Christ and Him crucified. To bring living water to bring the bread of life to his people. He went out preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, turn ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his remnant and camel's hair, and, leather, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Do you, do, you, do you understand the difference between the ministers of God and religious people of the world? In that day, the religious folk wore fine linen, fine purple. They had gold wrapped around their... They had so much gold being coming into the church, they wrapped it around their necks. Isn't that what they do today? They get in airplanes and they fly all over the country. They have 2,000 people. I was watching a show about um, the first TV evangelist. I can't think of his name now. Oral Roberts. In Memphis, Tennessee, there's a building with no windows on it at all. Did I share this with you guys already? Good. Okay. Good. It's a new story. So there's no windows on this building at all. And, and they, they went about showing how the inside of it was... You know, they built up, of course, they got to build up all the drama to it and everything. But once they got to the meat of the subject, this was a this was a place of worship. This is where the first televised evangelism was put together by him. And he had thousands, millions of people sitting. They had a room bigger than this room here where they took all the dollar bills and all the coin. They had their own bank right there. They had an office... Actually, I don't think the room was this big. I think their office was this size. Their office was this size with all kinds of tables and people answering phones and taking donations over the phone and stuff like that. Uh, they had thousands of dollars coming in. Oral Roberts, he had whatever he wanted. God's ministers are a little different. I'm not saying we should eat locusts and wild honey, although, you know, that doesn't sound too bad, actually. Better for you than pie, I would imagine. I'm not saying you shouldn't dress nicely. But there comes a point when we waste. As humans, we waste what we have. The difference between what John the Baptist is being portrayed here and the difference of what the religious people were at that time is stark. It's obvious. Not just in what they wear, but in what they preach.
Verse 5, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits suitable. Put away those things. Turn from those things that you trust in. Bring forth fruits that are suitable for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Remember, he's talking to the Pharisees now. I guarantee you those Pharisees knew exactly who he's talking about here. He's talking about false religions. He's talking about religions that glorify man. And now also the axe is laid upon the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And then he says this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Every minister of God is sent to bring one message, a message of hope to sinners. Saturday night, for those of you who couldn't be here, Brother Larry brought this out. He quoted a, another minister. I'm not sure which one, I don't remember which one it was. He said, this is, I'm here to preach to sinners. Sinners are hard to find. Many say, oh, I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm saved now. Few will say, no, I'm still a sinner. A sinner, yes. Saved by grace. Yet still a sinner. Every minister brings one message. A message that is that brings hope to poor sinners. He says, repent of your ways. Repent of your self-righteous works. And rest in his works. And know this, that your repentance is of God. Psalms, verse, chapter, Psalms 80, verse 3, it says this. Turn us again. That's the word repent. Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Lamentations 5, verse 21. Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Turn me from my ways, O Lord, from my imaginary self-righteousness. Turn me to the perfect righteousness of my Lord. Who has warned you from the wrath to come? This is our message. Wrath is coming. God's wrath is coming. Will you stand before Him in your own righteousness? Or will you stand before God in the righteousness of His Son, Christ Jesus? Folks, I plead with you. I plead with you this morning. There is no hope in your works. But John, I'm not a bad person. I, I quit doing all those bad things. See, there's a saved person right there, isn't it? There's one who has forgotten that they're still a sinner. One who has never been shown that they are still a sinner. I plead with you this morning, there is no hope in your works. 
There is no hope in what you may think is your goodness. Our only hope is that we are the wheat of God, that He will gather us into His house. If we are left to ourselves, we will receive our just reward. But if we are in His Son, if we are the they, if we are the they that is spoken of as those He has loved with an everlasting love, if you are one of those, Roger, who He has loved with an everlasting love, He has taken your just reward. He has taken what we have earned. He stood in our stead when the Lord poured His wrath out upon His Son. He stood in our stead when He killed His Son because of sin. Not His sin. Christ never sinned. That must be made clear. Did He go to the cross with sin as His own? Yes. But it wasn't His. It was ours. Now, the Scriptures talk about imputation, and I've said this before, I don't understand that. That's bigger than this little mind can handle. But I know this, when my Lord stood in my place, and on that, hung on my place on that cross, and died, He died in my stead. How do I know that? His Word tells me. And I believe His Word. If you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're one for whom He has declared that He is loved from, from everlasting to everlasting, He has taken our just reward in our stead. He has justified His chosen people before the Father. He is the God-man. Folks, do you understand that God can't die? God in the Spirit cannot die. And our spirit isn't going to die. We're either going to put this flesh off and this flesh is going to die from us and we're going to spend eternity in damnation or we're going to spend eternity in the bliss of heaven with our Lord and Savior. There's only two places. Every soul will live forever in one of those two places. God had to provide a way that you and I could be saved and the only way was to do that was to manifest Himself in the flesh like men. That's why we call Him the God-man. God in the flesh. The only way that the perfect holiness of God could be manifest was to have Him made of a virgin. Have Him born of a virgin. Not with the seed of Adam in Him. The seed of Adam is all sin. So the perfect Son of God came into this world. Walked perfectly. Establishing a perfect righteousness. Everything He did, everything He did satisfied His Father. And the day that He laid down His life. And that's what He did. He laid down His life. He says, I lay down my life. No man taketh it from me. He laid down His life and shed His own blood. The power of God was in that blood. If the power of God is in that blood, it perfectly did everything it was purposed to do. Wouldn't, it be, wouldn't that be the, the common sense? That's exactly so. The perfect blood of God was shed upon that cross. Washing. Washing and, rem and bringing the sins of His people into remission. And then of course... Death could not hold him. 
No, he sits today on his throne of glory, making intercession out for all of his people. This is the picture we see in baptism. We see his death. Death and being buried in the water. That's why you can't do sprinkling. That's why sprinkling can't be called baptism. You've got to be submerged. You've got to be buried. And then brought up. A picture of our Lord and Savior laying down his life. Dying, being buried, and raised again. Turn over to Colossians chapter 2 and we'll bring this to a close. Being baptized in the Spirit simply means this, folks. It means that our spirit, the one which was bound in trespasses and sin, has been put to death. When our great Lord died, we died in Him. Our sin nature was buried in Him. It was buried in Christ Jesus the Lord. When He was buried in the, body, in the, in the belly of the earth, our sins were buried with Him. And when He arose victor over his, all His enemies, we arose in Him, having been brought to a living state that worships Him in spirit and in truth. Are you with me? In Colossians chapter 2. I'd like to begin at verse 6, and we're going to read a lengthy part here. As ye, there, as ye have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted, rooted like a tree, something that is bound by the roots to the ground, rooted and built upon, up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Folks, it doesn't matter what Lord brings our way. If we're in Christ, even our troubles, we can be thankful for. Maybe not at the time. Maybe not at the time, but there'll be a time when we look back on everything we've gone through and say, thank you, Lord, for bringing me closer to you. Beware, verse 8, lest any man spoil you through, vain, through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him. You're complete in Him. Everything you need is in Him. And then he goes on to say, which is the head of all principality and power. He is the head of all principality and power. All power in heaven and earth belong to him. Verse 11, in whom also we are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. That's the new birth. That's the cutting away the old stony heart. That's what circumcision is. Cutting away the stone, leaving nothing but the flesh and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12, Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened. That means be made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Boy, the Gospel just keeps getting better and better when we read it, doesn't it? Blotting out, verse 14, the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us. That's the law. The law taught us what sin was. We see grace. We live by the love of God now. Grace 
blotting out the handwriting ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. <laughs> and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now, we're going to of uh, 20. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to the ordinances? Touch me not. Touch not, taste not, handle not. Which are all to perish with the using after the commandments of the doctrines of men. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship. Did you see that? They have a wisdom in the worship of will, of your own self-will, and humility in neglecting the body, but not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. If ye then be, for chapter 3, verse 1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Amen.